Welcome to the Counselors of Real Estate's Top 10 in 10 podcast series. In these approximate 10-minute episodes, we'll discuss one of the prevailing 2024 Top 10 Issues Affecting Real Estate. I'm your host, Anthony Delapel, CRE, Global Chair of the Counselors of Real Estate in 2024, and a partner in the law firm of McCurdy Riskin, Olson & Delapel in Northern New Jersey. Counselors of Real Estate are trusted advisors finding solutions to complex real estate challenges. Experienced, innovative, and credentialed problem solvers, counselors reside in 22 countries, practice in many more, and offer expertise in 60 real estate disciplines across all asset classes. Each has earned the prestigious CRE designation. Our guest for this episode is Corin Crawford, CRE, Executive Vice President of Griffin Structures in Irvine, California. Corin is an accomplished investment professional and entrepreneurial leader with a long track record of development, financing, and advisory experience with utilities, ports, school districts, cities, and private real estate investors. He primarily concentrates on public-private partnerships, construction management, land acquisition, and development. Corin was the subject matter expert for the number 10 issue on the compilation of the counselor's 2024 top 10 issues affecting real estate. London Bridge is falling down, the sad state of infrastructure. To review all of the issues in this year's report, visit cre.org slash top 10. Welcome, Corin. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure uh, to uh, to join here, Anthony. We're happy to have you. How are things in Southern California today? Very good, very good. We, um, we've had some remarkably nice weather, um, uncharacteristically sunny and nice weather for January and a summer. So we're, uh, we're enjoying it very different from a year ago. So we'll take it. Good for you. All right. Well, we're here to talk about, um, infrastructure and, um, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions if that's all right. Sure. Um, obviously it's, uh, it's a topic that's on the minds of a lot of us in the real estate business and it can affect, uh, many of us in our practices. Um, here are a couple of uh, uh, targeted questions for you that I hope you can uh, help answer for us. Inspired from the great public works projects of the 1900s that solidified the United States as a global 20th century economic leader, the need for new and improved infrastructure is now being met with what could be once in a generation legislation that is allocating substantial funds towards infrastructure spending. What's your 10,000 foot perspective on what both the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act mean for commercial real estate? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so the I like the beginning of the question that references the great public works projects of the 1900s. And those projects and that that movement in the 19 you know begin the, the beginning of the turn of the century with the Hoover Dam as a good example and then leading into uh, the 1950s and the great highway projects of the Eisenhower administration that is part of the great lore of U.S. economic progress that established the United States is the global leader, one of the global, you know, global leader in the economy through that period of time. And we always hearken back to those great projects that really established 
the economic prowess of the United States and the, you know, the, the, you know, subsequent in, in, in connected opportunities down the value chain of the built environment into real estate that that major infrastructure spend encouraged. It's just sort of like, hey, one of the reasons why we've been a global economic powerhouse is how smart we were with all of this grand enabling legislation for funding infrastructure and these infrastructure projects um, uh, down the road. So there's this causal effect, so to speak, for economic progress and the value of the built environment, including commercial real estate, and how that leads up the value chain to these fundamental um, advancements in infrastructure. We were seen as the global leader in 20, 20th century infrastructure. And so now the conversation is let's reinvent our infrastructure. Let's let's reinvest in our infrastructure as we seek to perpetuate that leadership into the 21st century. So the thought is we need similar parallel major pieces of infrastructure legislation and spending like Eisenhower did or like the Hoover Dam or like the, the railroads um, to usher us into the 21st century. So you've got the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Fl Inflation Reduction Act that again are thought of within that context as here are the major pieces of legislation that mirror what we did before in the 20th century to bring us into economic prosperity all down the value chain of the built environment, including commercial real estate um, into the 21st century. And when you get more granular into the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, they're both different. They're major pieces of legislation, um, great accomplishments in public policy in general at the federal level. And there are a couple of ways that you can think about how they influence commercial real estate. Because again, if you're target, if you've got in, you know, if you've got infrastructure in the bill, in the world of investing, infrastructure is different than commercial real estate. So how do these major investments in infrastructure impact commercial real estate. One of the ways that you can think about that, or I think about that is, again, going back to the conversation of the value chain of the built environment, if the inputs to commercial real estate value are predicated on location, 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 right? And if we think about what makes a location valuable and the different parameters of creating value across the infrastructure asset classes from logistics and supply chain or in the industrial sector to office to uh, you know retail, hospitality, uh, multifamily residential, they all have different factors that influence uh, the quality of the location and they're changing, but a lot of it is enabled by great infrastructure. So many investors in the commercial real estate are going to be looking at the infrastructure investments, the projects that are more at the local level, and how those projects will enhance the value of the different real estate asset classes within the quote unquote big five, as it were, um, uh, for, for determining what, uh, what, what value is. And that's kind of one way that investors, whether it's short-term or long-term investors, look at infrastructure spending. It's how is infrastructure investment influencing the quality of the location? 
But I also think that there are some other ways that these new pieces of legislation can help us rethink the role of commercial real estate and real estate investment into uh, into the into the built environment. Um, so um, one are the the bipartisan infrastructure law in particular has really buffeted local government budgets, and so it's really helped deal with many budgetary. Um, you know, budgetary deficits that exist on state and local government uh, budgets coming out of the, the the pandemic. And that's been a real help for funneling funds that, you know, that are more economic development in nature or have more uh, local impact for advancing uh, commercial real estate or just real estate investments in general. The other would be how some of the funding out of the bipartisan infrastructure law in particular is targeted to transit-oriented development. So there's a little bit of a shifting in play about how we define infrastructure. Um, and it's a little off topic, but uh, you know, like many people are starting to think about how certain asset-heavy services get delivered and whether or not those serve as foundational pillars of society that can be a part of the infrastructure conversation. So we see a shifting of how we can utilize infrastructure dollars to actually fund real estate projects or real estate adjacent projects. Those are some like thoughts at the high level. And then the uh, inf Inflation Reduction Act, we can get a little bit more into that, but those are um, funds that are largely targeted towards climate, you know, like incentives, incentive structures for um, addressing climate change and for stimulating a lot of, you know, like some people call it ESG infrastructure or renewable energy, uh, you know, based and, and energy grid based and electric vehicle based investments um, that are, you know, I mean, they're not in the traditional camp of what real estate investors invest in, but I do think that there are opportunities for real estate investors to play a role and direct investments in other infrastructure asset classes that we would be particularly really good at. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the topic of the local um, interest and in, in per, perhaps a local uh, buttressing that the that the federal spending um, can achieve because it, it seems to me that many infrastructure projects are purely local some are regional and and, and yes. obviously national national based um you know we have books we have projects that have been on the books here in the new york area road and 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 rail projects that just haven't gotten built they've been designed yeah. and, and kicking yeah. around for decades right yeah. but right. now there may be some juice in them and they may be able to move forward with them um and then the other thing that i i um directly involved with here in the in the metro new york area we have two to the larger regional infrastructure projects, one being the Gateway Tunnel, which is going to give us another train tunnel under the Hudson River, which will also include major uh, changes to Penn Station on the New York side of um, of the, which is the terminus of that project. And then there are a series of flood control projects that are occurring around the Hudson on the Hudson River, under um, federal planning efforts with the uh, with the federal government and the Army Corps of Engineers, but they're being implemented locally. Yes. So that we have some flood walls and other uh, other projects like that called rebuild by design 
that are des uh, designed to uh, try to protect the, the very densely populated areas in and around New York City. So we see it trickling down into our areas. Uh, I'm sure that it's it's that way uh, in other parts of the country. What, what I'm curious about is whether um, the uh, improvements to our infrastructure systems um, and the rebuilding of them or the extensions of them into areas that are being newly populated. Do you think that there's another way to do it without the federal funding? Um, in other words, is there a third way or is there are there uh, efforts through public-private partnerships that you've uh, seen work that might be implemented going forward that can help us get there? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's a great point around um, the thinking about just as a little bit of an aside, a, a great point leading up into your question around infrastructure projects being thought of as these very large scale regional or national projects like rail or pipelines or flood mitigation projects that impact an entire region much more, much more than maybe an entire city or even a segment of a city and how increasingly infrastructure is localized, either implemented at the local government level or, or smaller scale projects that are happening um, that through an aggregate uh, have a major impact at the same level of maybe like a, a you know, a, a new, uh, you know, managed lane uh, in, a, in, a, in a highway, for example. But I think that the third way that I really envision or that I've seen are that um, we kind of going back to even the first question, which is to say, we've got this instinct to harken back to the, you know, these, the, the, the 1950s, say, and the Eisenhower investments in the highways to say, we need to emulate the same thing, kind of rinse and repeat the same federal level effort that ushers in a, um, a, a reimagination of infrastructure in the 21st century. But I think that the third way to really think about it is this is potentially a down payment, something to catalyze infrastructure spending over the next uh, decade. But there's no real silver bullet solution. Um, there's no one big sweeping piece of legislation that's going to solve the problems. And I think the third way is to think about how this is a catalyst. It's a down payment on trillions of dollars of investment that need to occur over the next decades, potentially for the remainder of the century, and how we're going to just keep cobbling together, you know, um, effective solutions and, and projects um, and, and mechanisms for stimulating the kind of infrastructure that we need that responds to where we are in the 21st century. At the 21st century, the, the rapid pace of technological change and the societal change that results from that means that, th that we need to keep experimenting, we need to keep pivoting, and no one knows what things are gonna look like 15 years from now. So how do you make these investments that you believe are going to be, um, you know, that are going to endure for the next 100 years if society is changing so rapidly? So I think that like the 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 bipartisan infrastructure law was one nice down payment. The Inflation Reduction Act was also very nice, but there was also um, there was also permitting reform that was sort of an omnibus package of a, of a more recent Biden uh, piece of legislation that was passed. 
that again is that cobbling together of more effective ways in order to get things done. Because one of the big um, critiques of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act is that, well, it, th that's money for new projects, but it's still hard to permit projects at various scales and levels. So now we have permitting reform, which is a cobbled together piece of legislation on an omnibus package that solved another issue and another impediment, but it wasn't perfect. It still needs a broader set of um, pathways for different projects and at different timescales. So more permit work is going to need to continue to happen over time, as well as new mechanisms. Public-private partnerships are very effective, and that's a core of my business. It's not everything, though. And so that's one tool in the toolbox. So for me, the third way is thinking about it as developing multiple tools in the toolbox and continuing to chip away or continuing to, you know, almost Lego pieces, piece by piece, we're going to continue to build the kind of infrastructure that, that we need, but it's going to be done in more small, smaller scale. It's going to be more nimble, and it's just going to require people to kind of do the heavy lift, the hard work, keep having passion, and keep, um, you know, kind of reinventing what projects you do and what things and what initiatives you support on an ongoing basis to respond to more volatile times. So that's oh, is. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think that um, one of the key things that I took away from the recent uh, federal legislation and funding is that policies were set, right? Goals and policies were set that provided incentives, um, financial incentives and otherwise, to uh, state, local, regional agencies, and even to the private sector to do things to make our infrastructure stronger. So um, it's clear that that's just the start. And and we need to continue, as you said, to cobble together our brains, our resources, financial or otherwise, and try to make sure that we can take ourselves forward, knowing that a lot of the physical infrastructure that we do have, at least in the um, in the areas that have been densely populated for a while, is very old. And yeah, uh, sure. and, and it's it, you can't just put Band-Aids on that. You're going to yeah. have to think of new ways to do things. So, yes. Corin. I, I want to thank you uh, today. We're grateful for your knowledge and your contributions to this year's top 10 issues affecting real estate report. The, this topic of infrastructure, it, it can start, you could say, with the American Society uh, of Civil Engineers, which has been issuing subpar grades in the C and D range yes. to our infrastructure for decades. Let's hope that the grades can improve as a result of some of these new projects uh, or revived projects that are now uh, getting started and, and hopefully will continue to occur. Join us next time for another discussion of one of the top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm Anthony Delapel, and on behalf of the Councils of Real Estate, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Top 10 in 10. Thank you.